Thank you for joining us today for the Christ First podcast. So I am first going to interview Bailey a little bit and start with just our general question. Why do you choose to put Christ first in your life? Like that, that the scripture of, of Nephi saying like, oh, wretched servant that I am, a wretched man that I am. I feel that a little bit because Christ isn't always at the forefront of my mind. And I, I want him to be, I want his influence and who he is to, to guide my decisions. And I don't feel that 100% yet in my life. And often I have to remind myself I'm, I'm barely, I'm not even 30 yet. I've got a lot more to learn. What I have done in my life, when I look at the big picture, he has guided my whole life. Uh, I want to feel it more in the everyday decisions, but honestly, he has guided my whole life in my big decisions that have led me to where I am today. Keeping his covenants, I think, is what I will say that encompasses all of putting him first. I want to keep his covenant so I can be with him one day. And I know that I won't be perfect here on earth, but I expect that he can teach me that. And the only way he can teach me that is if I go back to live with him. And so that's my main goal is keeping his covenants. So what experiences have you had that have taught you that you are a daughter of God? There are many I can think of. The one that I see clearly is my patriarchal blessing. I remember when I went to go get my patriarchal blessing, I was 15 years old. I'd prayed and I'd written down four questions that I wanted answered in my patriarchal blessing. I didn't tell anybody about which, what the questions were or anything. And I went and got the patriarchal blessing. And then when I got it printed out and back to me, I lined it up and they were those questions answered in order. So I knew that he did care for me and he, I knew he knew my life and I knew that blessings laid out in that blessing would be true because he answered my, my prayer um, to answer the questions I, I wanted answered. I have recently in the last few months um, started a new morning routine and I recorded my my voice reading my patriarchal blessing on the memo app on my iPhone. Every morning I will press play on that and uh, just listen to my patriarchal blessing every morning. It's helped me a lot to just keep in focus who I am, who he knows I am, and uh, it's elevating my eyes to heaven for the start of each day. I know I am a daughter of his because he has given me such a beautiful life and he's laid it out. The things that have come to pass in that blessing are so clear and uh, it's just uh, neat. I just love to hear that every morning and know that my life is not haphazard. My life is not meaningless. It has purpose and destiny. That's so awesome. What foundational experiences have you had that have led you to prioritizing Christ in your life? Mm. Well, my life started out pretty chaotic. My life was not perfect and not set up for success, I would say. this Statistically, the life that I came into, I should not be where I'm at today because of the circumstances I was born into. Um, however, the grit of my mom and the determination of my mom to keep going to church and make 
going getting her temple covenants a priority she went through the temple when i was four years old and i remember that celebration and i remember getting a testimony when i was four that the temple is something important my mom just kept going she did get married and uh to my stepfather who really is my father he um is a wonderful wonderful man i was able to be sealed to my family when i was 15 years old in the saint george temple those are the foundational things just seeing how the gospel blessed my life and brought me out of a situation that I should not be as well off mentally, uh, spiritually, and um, have made decisions that have given me an ability to have my life that I have now, my husband and my children. Okay, so you are technically sealed to your stepdad. How does your testimony of the plan of salvation vary from the typical testimony? Oh, I feel like that's a long, a long journey I had to take because my mom had a a mistaken understanding of sealings. Her parents, my grandparents, were sealed. She actually told me for a long time that. I, it was okay because I'm actually sealed to my grandparents through her. So it was it was mistaken for a while. And I remember asking my bishop if that were right. And he told me no. It was a little bit nerve-wracking because I'm like, well, wh- who am I sealed to? And I had learned all of these uh, truths about sealing. And I was worried I wasn't sealed to anybody. Finally, after 10 years of my parents being married, the reason it took so long was a lot of, there's a lot of paperwork. You have to get it written and signed document from the biological parent that it's okay for them to be sealed to a different parent. I was happy that my biological father signed this document, but at the same time, it's really sad that he's giving these these really sacred rights away to a different man. That was hard. I didn't fully understand it, but I knew it was sad at the time, and I'm grateful he did it because there are some biological parents that are more spiteful and won't sign that so you can't get sealed right away but I'm thankful he did sign it so what we were sealed when I was 15 just the power that came from the sealing was so evident my family did change right after that sealing I saw a difference in the way that we interacted with each other the understanding of the gospel everybody had I felt it like it grew and I gained more of a testimony of that when I testified of sealing power on my mission. And since then, I've just realized how how special and sacred that power is. The way it's affected my ideas of the plan of salvation are that it is really complex because I have, when I was a kid, I thought, well, didn't my parents choose me? And how would they have chosen to be divorced and have be, me be sealed to someone else? So I don't know the complexities of, of that part of the plan of salvation, but I also have gained a testimony that it is flexible and that it will all be made right in the end. Just an interesting side note, I have a fourth great grandfather, his name's Llewellyn Harris, and he was sealed to five women and none of them were his wife. So he actually stood in proxy for his wife's first husband because he had passed away. And he believed that he wanted him to be have exaltation. So he was willing to stand in proxy. He 
wasn't a polygamist, but there were women who needed to be sealed to somebody and he would he got sealed to them. So whatever happens with his family, I'm just saying that everything will be made right. And I'm willing to wait for that. And I I think where the where the importance comes in is your your willingness to follow the covenant and keep the covenant. And now that I'm sealed to my husband and have brought children into the world under the covenant, I now have opportunity to execute that obedience to that covenant. Yeah. I guess let's talk about your mission a little bit. You mentioned how testifying of the plan of salvation on your mission kind of solidified that testimony. What lessons did you learn on your mission that continually strengthen your testimony today? The lesson I took from my mission that I still use today is obedience, perfect obedience. I remember my brother going on his mission. He was eight years older than me and reading the handbook when I was about maybe 10 or so. And I thought, wow, this is impossible. I don't think anybody can live like this. And get up at 6.30 every morning and uh, do all of these things every day. And so I just kind of thought it was impossible. And I kept that idea until my mission. And I went on my mission thinking, well, I'll probably get about 90%, maybe not 100%. And it kind of is true. It is really hard to complete all those things every day. Um, But maybe I wasn't the 100% obedient one, but my mission president was. And I have taken that lesson from him. He, uh, whatever direction he got from higher authority, uh, he would implement it right away, kind of without question. And uh, I saw a lot of problems with that. And I probably criticized it more than I should have. But now I respect him so much. And I've said this a lot, that the two most obedient people I have ever met are my husband and my mission president. That's awesome. So going into talking about your husband, um, and maybe this answers your qu- the question, but when you first started dating Matt, how did you establish that you both were committed to putting Christ and his restored gospel first in your life? And your life as individuals and as a couple. We have talked about this before that um, we actually feel like we didn't vet each other enough before getting married. We're just lucky that we ended up together. Do you feel the same? 100%. (laughs) Talked about absolutely nothing. I know. And so I, I think the things that made it feel like a green flag were his family meeting his family and um, understanding his character, like what they told me and his friends, what they would tell me of his character. I guess that he just wasn't shy about the gospel was a green flag, that he was he was in it for the long haul, it, it seemed. But like you said, like I feel like we just got lucky and that now we're together like, whoa, if I went back and dated again, I would be triple sure that this person is committed to the gospel. <laughs> So what experiences did you have personally that were a witness to you that this was the person that you should or wanted to spend eternity with? Um, There were some clues from my patriarchal blessing that I felt applied to our situation and who he was. 
also I, I prayed about it and I knew what the spirit felt like because I had uh, really worked on that on my mission. I know you don't have to go on a mission to feel that, but I think I had to practice it on my mission. There was one time that we were driving from Sandy back to Provo um, because we had been visiting my brother in Sandy and it was snowing. We got on the road. I, for whatever reason, felt like we should go back and stay the night in Sandy. And I'm from St. George. We're, we don't like snowy roads. So <laughs> that may have been part of it. It could have been the spirit. Not 100% sure. But I remember that the important thing was to me that he listened to me. And we did turn around and go back to Sandy. And I just remember feeling that he would listen to me if the spirit was talking to me. And I remember that being an important part of our relationship. And I felt comfortable that, okay, Matt is willing to listen to me if I feel like the Spirit's telling us one way or the other to do something. And I was grateful for that experience. That's really cool. So early on in your marriage and now into um, parenthood, what are things that you established then and continually do now to prioritize Christ in your family? One thing that we have chosen together is to serve the church. Uh, we all covenant when we go through the temple to consecrate our time, talents, and possessions to the church. And we just have chosen to do that. And where that's ended, it up, ended us up as is serving um, quite a lot in the church. And it d does take sacrifice and we're not always happy. And uh, I think that's been a lesson is serving and being a disciple of Christ isn't very happy all the time. But what it does bring us is peace, knowing that he knows where we are and knows what we're sacrificing and a calm that comes on us, knowing that he's going to take care of us. As we've brought children into the world, part of that was to be obedient. It's hard to bring kids into the world and it's painful in many ways, but I knew that we were supposed to have kids. Just following the Spirit as it tells us what to do, I think, is putting Christ first in our life because we can put it off and we can justify it or rationalize not following through, but I would argue that that brings more pain, And but it's a different kind of pain. Yeah, totally. So you spoke a little bit about how you've prioritized Christ and how it has led you to being in service responsibilities. How has your husband's service as the bishop impacted yours and your family's life? I think Matt and I would have different responses to this question. When we got called into this calling, um, we got a lot of people saying, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and that was a lot of the response we got. And we would just kind of joke about it like, oh, yeah, you know, at the beginning, I thought, that's kind of a rude thing to say. But now, after having served for two years, uh, it does kind of feel that way. I'm grateful that people do understand that we are sacrificing and that it is hard. I think the hardest part for my husband is hearing people choose to be disobedient and bring godly sorrow into their life. He's really empathetic. Say so he's a stoic personality. So I don't see a lot of the sadness that he feels. And he doesn't really wear his heart on his sleeve, whereas I do. So we express emotion differently. 
but where I'm what I'm seeing serving in this him serving in this calling he is feeling very deeply the what I think is a blessing from God that he's actually feeling some of the pain that God feels for his sons and daughters and Matt feels it very very deeply and it can be very overwhelming so it's hard on him that way it's hard on our family a little bit on Sunday when he's not sitting with us and sometimes during the week when he has meetings or when he gets a call um, that disturbs him. Those parts are hard, but honestly, he's he's taking a lot of the, the hardship. So I've had the opportunity to write down a whole list of blessings that I see that have come from serving. Just a few of those have been our housing situation, protection in the city, because we live downtown Salt Lake City, and people are often on drugs around us. I feel a protection that I haven't felt since I was on my mission. Just a general, almost just armor as I walk around knowing that I'm going to be okay and understanding of who God is. We've received a lot of blessings of revelation for our own lives as well as the doctrine. I have seen so many positive things come from it and it has shaped our testimony because this is so hard. Why would we continue doing this? We do it because he needs us to. He needs somebody to be in this spot to help his children and we're willing to do that. That's such a blessing. And I think of of anything else, it's just, it's that. It's because these positions, especially I've heard Bishop most important, most significantly, is one of the hardest callings. And I can't imagine having your husband be a bishop when you have small kids. That's incredible that you've been able to pinpoint those blessings that you guys have experienced. Shifting gears a little bit. Um You've always been really passionate about history. What things led you to being even more passionate about church history and Utah history? Maybe that my family is very intense about sharing pioneer stories from our own family. Being able to connect myself to my family has been really important to me. And then I think it just kind of evolved into, I want to connect myself to my state's history. I want to connect myself to my religious history. I remember in seminary, I was on the seminary council and we had an activity going and someone wanted to play a game. And I said, okay, let's play a church history quiz. And I just made up all the questions without any paper or Googling or anything, just because I had listened and I really enjoyed my church history. And and some people were impressed. And I didn't realize that was a special thing until that moment that that everybody knew all those things. And um, and so I just have continually uh, learned more. So yeah, that's awesome. What pieces of early church history do you feel are the most misunderstood? If everybody understood Joseph Smith's character and personality, I think it would clear up a lot of the decisions he made and criticizing those. I think Joseph Smith is really misunderstood. And he was told that in the Doctrine and Covenants that his name would be had for good and evil all over the world. And and I would say that he is good. If you think he's evil or even really has any evil in him, I encourage you to read more about him because he was one of the best men ever to walk this earth. I love that. Just 
reading more about him and especially that they're now commissioning this oh wasn't that great we said we put our podcast out on the same day that they announced that they were going to compile a biography of joseph smith so i would say you have to read this biography i'm excited to read it yeah i I think a lot of people are intimidated by the joseph smith papers i know i i am too i am too what like 27 volumes or something crazy like that and there's so much information in there, so I think if they're able to compile it a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, then that will be really cool. Yeah. With the access to information that we have today, what advice do you have for the rising generation? Listen to the Saints volumes. Um, have you read those yet? Mm-hmm. That was going through those. That was the first time that I truly did see Joseph Smith as a real person. Yeah. During 2020, we all know that that was a a sifting time you either really chose to be all in or all out i was listening to the saints volume one during that time and that was one of the things that's again solidified where i was going to be and the same for my husband he was feeling the same way that reading that really strengthened his testimony so go ahead and listen to those those are really fun reads too and those are so easy to get on your hands because they're on your gospel library app and uh just download them and you can listen to them anywhere without data so I just love being with you Carly this is so much fun we grew up together and saw each other develop and it's fun to be here now not all people in the church have family and friends that are actually still members and still believing and it's just such a treat to share with my friend the desire and love in my heart that I have to follow the the teachings of Christ. So this is just such a treat and I'm so grateful for it. It's cool to be able to ask, like since we've grown up with each other, to ask these more personalized questions. Well, thanks for asking those questions. It's a privilege to be able to answer them. <laughs> thanks for listening to the Christ First podcast. Check back with us next Friday for a new episode.